I want to welcome you back to this series we began last week. We're in the introductory part of it, and then we're going to launch out with our small groups and all of that here in a couple of weeks. I want to welcome those watching online. Shout out to Ed, who texted me today, who has some things, and he said, I'll be there in spirit. So I know there are people watching online. They're still in a place maybe where they're unable to attend, and so we're thinking about all of you. And I want to welcome our McKinney campus, our Hazlitt campus that's getting ready for its big launch. Would you put your hands together and welcome every single person that's joining us? You know, we have a calibrating statement here at Milestone before we get into our message it's called reaching people and building lives. And when you see a weekend like this where you see dads who their children are touched by God and bring them to a place to commit their lives to Christ, when you see people that are impacted and taking their next step, that's an example of God reaching out to people that are far and distant from him and drawing them close and bringing to them the greatest decision that we'll ever make that affects our eternity, and that is to put our faith and our trust in the only way that there is possible for human beings to have a relationship with God, and that's through the person of Jesus Christ. And so it never gets old for me to see that and see a demonstration of God reaching people who are lost, and then they're found. I also wanna encourage you with here at Milestone, that calibrating statement is reaching people, but it's also building lives. We say it this way a lot of times, always look to take your next step. We try to put your next step in front of you. So we talk a lot about, in fact, if you're new here at Milestone, we talk about our growth track. That's a step-by-step -step process for you to grow in your faith and also to connect with other people. It starts with 101. I teach that. We have a chance to connect with you. If you're new, I want you to know that we'd love to have you at that. 201 is a place where you learn your gifts. Both of those are one-time moments. But there's also, if you're saying, hey, I'm hearing about small groups and I'm new, I want to encourage you with 301, which is a seven-week journey where you get a small group. So I can't encourage you enough to participate in that. And then for those of you who say, what's happening for all of the rest of us, if maybe you've done that and you want to connect, well, I'm excited about this series because one of the things that I know from feedback is what people love to do is to gather together and learn the Bible together. So we're doing a lot of groups that are just simply subject to change groups. And last week I gave you just a little bit of where I'm going for the next several weeks. And we're looking at this moment that's a huge moment in the Bible where God's people were in captivity in Egypt. And then there's this long journey in which they go in. And some of them, if, if you will, go in. But there's the journey and the process of that. And so I gave you a lot of those moments. This weekend, we're going to talk about a big moment in it. We're going to talk about what happened at this place called the Red Sea. But there's other moments in that of them following the cloud and God providing for them in very unique ways and, and these moments at Mount Sinai. And they may just look like big Bible words up there, but I promise you, as we study them together, we're going to see ourselves in the story. And so I want to encourage you with that. You have the opportunity this weekend to sign up and get in one of those groups where we're going to do subject to change. We have people there in the commons ready to serve you. I'm going to ask you if you have your Bibles to turn with me to Exodus chapter 14. We're going to start in verse 10. And this week, we're going to catch back up a little bit for a moment, and then we're going to jump into this next phase in the journey. Here's, here's where we established last week what happened, and that is... 
God's people, I gave you the history last week, I don't have time to go into it, but they go in with about 70 people, they end up at about two and a half million. And they're in bondage and in slavery to these Egyptian rulers and they begin to cry out to God. And we learned last week that a lot of people think the God of the Old Testament is this aloof being who's just mad all the time and basically doesn't care about the needs of people, but we saw last week words attributed to God like he was concerned, he heard their cries, and so he raises up and calls on this man named Moses who then begins to set them free through a process of events. God does miracles and they leave Egypt and I showed you last week there's about two and a half million of them and this is the radical part of the story and I'm not just making this a big deal. The New Testament actually says that they were an example for us. I'm gonna show you that in a minute. Did you know the Apostle Paul said, you need to know this happened because it was an example for you lest you go the way that their hearts went. Two and a half million people leave Egypt set free, journeying toward what should have taken 11 days, but wandered for 40 years and only two went into the plan God had for them. Now again, we live on the backside of the cross, we have the word of God, we have the Holy Spirit, I get all that, but we still have the condition of the human heart and every time I read these stories, I think, man, that is, that these people lived so long ago, but they're just like me, they're just like you. Our hearts can so deceive us to go the wrong way, and so we have been looking at this story, we've been looking at this journey, and we started, you say, subject to change, because this is a several-year journey with lots of changes and twists and turns and God working with his people. What's subject to change all about? The fact is that sometimes the change that we receive is actually the change we prayed for. Sometimes it's a result of something that we didn't expect, but the reality is, is God is moving us from where we are to where he's called us to be. Change is not something that we are good at, no matter how much we think we are. In fact, I heard last week, I preached the message and <laughs> this guy told me, he said, we were driving away from church, Pastor, I really loved the message. I leaned over to my wife, I said, man, I hope you really listen in this series because you know, I, I'm pretty good at this change thing. She goes, you're the worst at it. You need to be listening to all, come on now, your wife will tell you the truth. You're like, I got this. No, no, you need to be paying attention. You're terrible at this. If you think you're good at change, ask some of the people around you. They'll give you a good observation. But the fact is, we're really not that good at the journey, at the process that goes with it. I, learned this with a big change in my life when my oldest child, who's about to graduate from Baylor University in December, God's holy place, she will graduate. I saw someone give me a bear paw back there, praise God. We're, we're just trying to keep it alive in our church. The big 12, Satan stole it, but we're still <laughs> waving bear claws. I remember when I took her to college, I realized, and this is what I want you to get this week, Change is a process, but it has big moments in it. It's happening along the way, but I wanna show you this week, this is my main goal this week, in the big moments of change, there's some things we can learn from the word of God that help us in the big moments. I learned that when she was, was my first child to leave the house, and I, I actually love being a dad more than I love being a pastor. 
And I just, this was a big moment for me. I was having some identity things. I was worried about her. I'm letting her go. And I took her there and we had all this stuff and I dropped her off. And her mom and I, we drove back up 35 and on the other side of Hillsboro, we stopped at Dairy Queen. Come on, that'll help you. Dairy Queen blizzard will soothe the soul. It'll help you no matter what pain you have. Y'all know what I'm saying. Get that Snickers with some hot fudge in there and God's just helping you. Just eat your feelings. It'll work. Just eat your feelings. But we sat there at Dairy Queen over a blizzard, both of us looking at each other, just, just crying, just, just, just crying, just, just crying it out. And I realized in that moment as I reflect back on it that change is happening in us and we're holding on to emotions and we're adjusting to it. I'm in it again because she's not only graduating in December, she's getting married in November. The other day they had a dress fitting and she sent me my private message, I can't show it to you, of my baby girl in her wedding dress. Come on, I have my little picture of me on FaceTime. I snapped it, I'm not supposed to. If I showed it to you, I'd be kicked out of the family right now. <laughs> and I realize I'm in another journey here. Oh my Lord, what about this? And it's probably gonna all culminate right there in November. Right now, though, I don't have time to process my feelings because I'm busy giving my checkbook and just kind of, you know, just kind of, I don't even know where I'm at. But, but these big moments in life, there's this journey of it, the embracing, but there's also, again, in it, there's a process, but there's also a moment. That's what happens here at this moment at the Red Sea. They pray, God hears their prayer. Moses comes, God does some miraculous things. You, this is one of the most famous stories in all the world, even people outside of Christianity know it. There's plagues, there's miracles, there's all these things, they're set free. They head out on this journey and then they come to the Red Sea. They come to this place and now they're in this moment where God brings them to actually and if you will, this is like counselors say when you get to this moment, it's like when you actually accept, have to accept your reality that now I'm in a new place. If we might say it in common vernacular, this is when it gets real. Or I might lean on a great theologian who said, everybody has a plan until they get punched in the face. That's Mike Tyson. <laughs> we all got a plan until it's like, oh no. This is getting real. There it is, the sea in front of them, the mountains surrounding them, and the Egyptian army behind them. You ever felt like you were in that place? Where it seems like there is no way, and God has a plan, and I wanna show you here from scripture some of the key points in this story. As Pharaoh approached the Israelites, they looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and they cried out to the Lord. They said, Moses, this is interesting, look at this, look at the response. You're gonna see this in every one of these stories, us. We pray, God, here's our prayers, we get set free, we're headed now the Red Sea. He says, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert? To this? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? I love this line. Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? No, no, you didn't say that, actually. No, that's not what you said. You were saying, help us! Amazing. Did you know what? It happens in our modern world more than I've ever seen it as a pastor. 
When I'm in pain, I need to find somebody to project my pain on and blame. They also have a big term that I need to give you called confabulation. Confabulation, according to the dictionary, is where you misremember, actually. You fill in the gaps in your memory by fabrication as to what really happened. It's like when my kids sit around, they love to talk about some of our early vacation stories. But I was there. They're like, wasn't it awesome, Dad, when you rented that RV? No, it was not. I'm not mechanical. I didn't know how to empty the toilet. It overflowed. It sloshed from Arkansas back to Keller. It was not good. No, it wasn't. Hannah, you have motion sickness and threw up in the upper bunk bed. And they were like, wasn't that fun? No, it wasn't. No, it was not. Just send us back to Egypt. Moses answered the people, don't be afraid. Because fear makes you misremember. Fear makes you miscalculate. Look at it wrong. Don't be afraid. Common word in the Bible. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, will ne- you will never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still and stand. Later on in the story, it says Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And all that night, the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. The waters were divided and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. Later down in the story, Moses stretched out his hand over the sea after they had crossed over. And at daybreak, the sea went back to its place. The Egyptians were fleeing toward it and the Lord swept them into the sea. That water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen. By the way, and you may not be aware of this, but in lots of scholarly classes, as we lose sight of who God really is, there's this idea that it wasn't this big miracle. It wasn't some kind of sea. It was actually the Sea of Reeds, and it was just shallow water, and they walked over. I don't know what the Sea of Reeds, the Red Sea, what it was, but I'm telling you, it was a miracle of God because it was deep enough to drown the Egyptians. He says it drowned them. The entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea, not one of them survived. Not one of them survived. So you say, okay, that's a great story, a powerful story. You're there online listening to the story, or you're right here listening to it. Now you're trying to think about yourself. You're like, okay, I've been in the process of change, and maybe you're at a critical moment where you have to respond. Maybe now it's, it's the moment will I change jobs. Maybe it's the moment where there's a shift in your family. Maybe it's the moment where you have a health situation. Maybe, maybe whatever it is, you, you come to moments where now it's real. Now it's real, it's the reality. What am I going to do? What do I do in that moment where it's not just this incremental process, which is how God works, where there's the incremental process of change, but now you are staring face to face with a mountain on each side, with an army behind you, and the water ahead of you. How do you approach that? Again, I will tell you, most of the time, we tend to respond in fear. We tend to respond in looking back and and, and actually, a lot of times what'll happen, I, I, I'm just telling you, human nature, I've done it. I've tried it many times as I pastor people to walk with people. We have a tendency sometimes to even look back at or go back to dysfunctional things because they're familiar. 
because I'll take the pain of what's familiar over what I have to face to go forward. But in that moment, if you're in it or you're headed to it next time, we can learn from this story what God says needs to happen for us to be able to process what I'm calling these significant moments of change, these significant moments where, okay, wait a minute, this is a new reality, how do I approach it? Number one, you need to have the right perspective on your past. You need to have the right perspective on what you're coming from. We, we need to remember, as I said, sometimes it's what we prayed for. Sometimes it's what we were asking God to change. Talk to a young person this week who's stepping into a new season of life, prayed to get married, prayed to step into something, and then now it's like, my friends don't respond to my text. Well, wait a minute. You're not in the same place as you were when you were with those friends. Now you're in a new place, and guess what? They moved on. What do we want a lot of times? I want all of the good of this and all of the good of this and forget all of the bad that was in this and step forward into it with a lack of perspective on where we're coming from that's a biblical perspective. We, we have a tendency to look back and misremember what we were actually asking for or what we're coming out of. So everything about the future doesn't have everything good. Everything God's taking, to, taking you into doesn't have the, the fact that there's no challenges there. But everything about the past doesn't have all of the good things as always either. There's challenges ahead. There's challenges in the past. There's situations ahead. There's situations in the past. It's all part of it. I talked to my mom this week, and she was mourning the loss of lubies. The devil stole lubies. And she said, Jeff, it was so awesome when I used to take you there, and liver and onions. And I'm like, Mom, that was not awesome. <laughs> Dad said, I'm not paying for tea. Everybody's drinking water. The jello in line, I'd get the jello. He'd let me have jello. If you get it, you better eat every bite. And then I'd, I'd reach down and just scoop one along the way in the line. And then, boom, get, you know, my dad had just disciplined you where you committed the foul. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right there, boom, jello, boom. It's just amazing in the human psyche. Did you hear what they said? Like, they didn't just make a slight comment. They were like, so you're saying there was nowhere to bury us, so you brought us out here to die? We didn't even want to go. Why'd you bring us here? Did we even ask you to bring us here? Did you notice the detail from which that was in their spirit and how the human nature has the ability to glorify all of the things from the past in such an unhealthy way that it paralyzes you from moving forward into what God has for you. We need to be aware of that. We need to be aware of that, that we have a propensity to make up a storyline and a narrative in our head that's not true. The second thing he says to them is, and this is why it's hard, this is why change is hard, this is why going Forward to everything God has for you looks great on paper on a life goal sheet, but is always filled with things you would never anticipate, and that is this, that we have to participate by faith. Did, did you know in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul compared this journey, and he says to these Corinthian people in 1 Corinthians 10 that they were on this journey, and he even says that it relates to 
salvation. He, he says, look, they were baptized into Moses. He talks about that. He talks about they passed through to the other side. He then starts talking about all these temptations that come. Did you know Hebrews chapter 11 talks about the Red Sea story? The New Testament talks about what I'm talking to you about. Hebrews 11 says, by faith, the people pass through. By faith. I'm not just trying to reduce this to kids going to college or new seasons in your life or, or your job situation, though we can relate it to all of it in life. This is a story about salvation. This is a story about even what we witness here, the public declaration of baptism to where I step out and I love what it said in the video, I came to a place where I was all in. That, that's what this story is. This story is a story of the bondage of Egypt and the freedom on the other side of the Red Sea. It's all of that. But every one of those steps, no matter how you apply it, require our participation of faith. We get so hung up on this in our world today because we tend to be on one side or the other. God is in control. Yes, he is. God is doing everything. Yes, he is. God is the ultimate decider of every single situation and he loves us. And no matter what situation comes into our life, if we are called according to his purpose and love him, he's working it out. He's working it out. And we're so thankful for that. But what we miss in our fear is that many times while he's working it out, he's calling on us to participate by faith. You, you, may, you may be all God or some faith or wherever you're at, it's both. It's both. Just know this, if you're gonna go into everything God has for you, you're gonna come to Red Sea moments. Army behind you, wall there, mountains there, Red Sea there. And he calls on them. Hebrews actually says that. Hebrews eleven twenty five. 25. Again, by faith, the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. It relates to the participation. Now, I know some of you are like, okay, you're talking about faith in change. You're talking about what, what, what so what does that actually look like? I, I thought you may ask that question. Because you're like, faith in the middle of this? I'm not really in the... Old Testament story of the Red Sea, but remember, we're learning from the story. And here's two things I see in the story that I so relate to in my own life and so relate to in pastoring people. When you come to that moment, your participation at least comes down to at least two things. Number one, what happens? Moses says to them, stand firm. Sometimes the best thing you can do is not go back to where you used to be, not go back to return back to, the, as some people call it, the tyranny of the familiar. Sometimes the best thing you can do is just stand. I, I say this in leadership meetings, I say this all the time, I say this to the current generation on the planet now. Quit making major decisions in the middle of a time of so many shifting things. Sometimes when everything's shifting, the biggest thing of faith you can ever do is just stand firm and resolute on that which you know to be true. Just stand, just stand, just chill. Just chill. This is not a time to reorganize your entire life. This is not a time to get crazy and innovative. It's a time to stand. It's time to go back to the basics. 
I've said this in staff meetings, encouraging pastors, businessmen. I said it in a staff meeting this week at a large church. I said, everyone who's making money off clicks is talking about innovation, but everybody that's working with people is saying, quit being cute and stand. Quit being cute and cool and stand and stay back in the zone of what you know to be true, like preach the gospel, like baptize people, like water baptism, baptize, you know, that thing, amazing. Of course, I know I grew up in a church, you know, some of y'all are new to this. You're like, why are we putting people under the water? I grew up in a church where we put you under till you bubble and come up saying tithe and together we build. <laughs> and if you didn't say that, we'd just dunk you three or four times, just keep you down there. You want up? Okay. But we can't forget that's not a tradition of the church. That's a visible symbol of what Jesus said to go into the earth and do before he ascended to heaven. That's what he said to do. There's a whole lot we don't know, but we're not confused about that. We're not confused about what he did say to do. So sometimes the biggest act of faith is just, just to stand. The next thing he says by act of faith, God then comes in and says, tell them to move forward. Tell them to move forward. Take your next step. Step into that next place that God has for you. When God clearly identifies what that clear next step is, it doesn't matter what it is. If it's for you to do what that dad said, who was falling asleep in church, who then all of a sudden, boom, 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 he had to come to that moment where he didn't even remember what the message is, which shows you that it's the Holy Spirit that works in people, and that's really depressing to the preacher, but anyway. <laughs> but then he was faced with a choice. I've kind of built a brand of being, now God says, go all in. So you may not realize how big a deal that is, that's a big faith step. Okay, okay. Oh. Take a step to be water baptized. Take a step to go to the grow track. Take a step to go to a small group. That sounds weird. Go hang out with people. Oh, I don't have time for that. I got all these other things. But the Bible says the early church was meeting together in large gatherings and from house to house, sharing their meals with gladness and sincerity of heart. If we're too busy to disciple others and be in family and spiritual family and grow together, we may be too busy. Whoa, 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 Jeff. If God's calling on you, take that step. Oh, I've been in 50 small groups. Maybe God's asking you to lead one. Whoa, now you're meddling. Whoa, did he just say that? Whoa, 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 whoa. Gotta take that step. And the essence of a life with God is to take that step. That's the essence. And it never gets easier. My favorite story to tell about this, my favorite visual picture of it was when my son turned 12 years old, I took he and his friends to Possum Kingdom Lake for a day with these young men. He had all his friends. And we were out there and we're tubing and we're riding around and we're not supposed to do this, um, but we saw these cliffs and they were like, hey, that's awesome. And so then I started, you know, doing man talk. And I'm like, oh, you, you boys are too young. Y'all are scared of those things. Y'all can't do that. Oh, no, we're not. So we went over there, and there's like about a 25-foot cliff. And then we went over there, and they all got up there, and we jumped off into the thing. We didn't, it wasn't Hell's Gates or anything, but it was 25-foot. Jumped off. Next thing I know, they're like, hey, come on, old man. I was like, where are we going? They said, we're going up there. 
I said, no, we are not going up there. They said, are you scared? I was like, that's really challenging, right? Now you're in a, you're in a real problem. I said, well, I'll walk up there and watch y'all. So we get up there. I mean, this thing is tall. I'm telling you, it's way up there. Like, I'm at the age at this point to where I have, you know, my, my brain has fully formed. <laughs> there's hasn't. Like, there's stuff not connected. There's pieces not linking. I can project into, I need to preach next weekend. It won't look good in a body cast. And we get up there and they're like, yeah, okay, you're going to do it. And I'm scared. I'm telling you, I am scared to death. But I can't show these boys because I'm, I'm supposed to be macho. You know what I'm saying? This is how you get in trouble in life, by the way. This is really a great example of how you do something stupid. My son just jumped off. Just boom, boom. Did you break anything? You know what I'm saying? And then now I'm stuck. And as any of you have know, if you've ever done anything in this realm, the first step is the hardest. You're telling yourself, okay, he made it, I can make it. But the fact of telling yourself, like you, you got, there's a perfectly stable ground under my feet and there's scary stuff out there. I can't give you a better picture of when Jesus comes to you and says, go all in with me. Step out and be water baptized. Step out in that situation. Step out in whatever it is God's calling you. Oh, we've been living together, but we need to make a decision to build the right foundation, but that's gonna be hard, because now what does that mean? And will we step out by faith? Say, we're gonna do it God's way. Whatever it is that you have in your life. Did you know 1 Corinthians 10 compares it to idolatry? Okay, well, I learned that God says he owns it all. I need to tithe. I need to have, you know, honor God with how I handle my money, but I don't see the math adding up. It's, it's going to require faith. God said, tell them to move forward. And when they move forward, you heard the story they pass through on the other side. Here's something very encouraging that I want to tell you, that the devil never tells us when God's asking us to stand and move forward, and that's the third thing. You realize he's preparing your future even when you can't see it. This is a Bible picture. Don't be afraid. Stand. Move forward. So many times in the Bible, and this is why we have the view and lens of what happened, they get to the other side, they look back, and it, did you notice what it says? Not one of those Egyptian enemies survived. Can I give you some encouragement? Sometimes what you're frustrated with and what you're working through in these significant moments is God not just getting you to the other side, but destroying that which will kill you when you get to the other side. So many times you're like, I want it to happen faster. I wish it would happen easier. I wish it didn't require faith. I wish it didn't have to... Let's take salvation. The Bible says, if you can't confess me before men, I can't confess you before my Father who's in heaven. Why would Jesus profess us or call on us to profess him publicly? Why would he say, step out of the crowd and say, I'm serving Jesus? Because he knows that's the easiest step to glorify him and declare him and say, I'm not ashamed that you'll ever make. It doesn't get easier after you walk with him. You're around a bunch of people that are clapping right now. Wait till you have to do that at work. 
Wait till you have to do that among people who disagree with you and you say, hey, I'm gonna serve Jesus. So what is he doing? By calling on you in that moment to take that step of faith, he's killing some of the things that could stop you when you get to the other side. But let's embrace the fact that he's good and he's taking us through those things and a lot of times he's killing things on the inside of us and around us and dealing with things that ultimately, when we get to the other side, we look back and say, I never would have chosen it but I see now what God was up to. That's the power of having a God who's leading you and not you leading yourself. The greatest example of the Red Sea, again, it's multiple places. You may be thinking about your context and situation right now, but the greatest example, ultimately this picture of passing through, this picture of salvation, this picture of freedom, this picture of crossing over to where you were once in bondage and the enemies that chased you down to the other side, the greatest picture. I saw an illustration of that this week that I wanted to share with you before I pray for you. We're, we're seeing God do amazing things among our young people in our church right now. And I just want, I'm telling you, we're seeing God do amazing things. A friend of mine, we're te- we were texting this week and said, all of heaven celebrates when one sinner repents. Let's not become numb to the fact that we're seeing a whole lot of people come to know Christ right now. We had 47 students Wednesday night profess Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And I want to tell you that's because of your generosity and your being a church that loves the next generation. This so encouraged me, I wanted to share it with you and I'm thankful I've never met Heather Anderson, but she said I could share her story. This so encouraged me, I thought it would encourage you. She sent this email to our U team. I just wanted to let you know that my children have loved Elevate and we're all coming to Milestone now thanks to our youth outreach. But last night, my daughter had a friend with her that said she was an atheist. When I drove her home last night, she was transformed. She said she'd never felt anything like she did last night. She was one of the many salvations seen last night. My kids and I talked the whole way home about how awesome it is to see the Holy Spirit moving there. Thank you for loving teens so well. Heather Anderson, mom to Parker and Avery. What a beautiful picture, but the question for us is, how are we approaching that moment even in our own lives as we see the example of the story of the Bible, but yet we are also examples in so many situations? I'm gonna ask you to bow your heads with me. And I'm gonna ask you if there's one person listening to me who says, Pastor Jeff, I haven't haven't stepped out, I haven't said yes, I've been holding back. I'm in that place where I, I, in, in the, moment of decision and I know God's calling on me he's urging me to take that step I've looked at my past even and I've looked at it in a wrong way sometimes maybe some of you have gone back to your past you've gone back and returned back to that which you know is not God's best for you but because it's familiar you've gone back to it Lord, I pray right now for every person under the sound of my voice that, Lord, you would do what I can't do because ultimately it's you by your spirit showing us that you would never lead us to any place that wasn't your best intentions and desires for us. So, Lord, I'm asking you to bring about that 
that step, that place. What a, what a miraculous story of you parting the Red Sea and you're still the same God who moves in miraculous ways in our lives. It's not just an old Bible story, it's a picture of you. If you've never professed Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you've sensed he's knocking, he's calling on you. Maybe looking at your past is really about how your parents may respond or how your friends may see it or how someone around you may look at it. You're more concerned with looking back than looking forward. You can say yes. Sometimes you just have to do it afraid too. Not all the things always line up. Lord, I ask you, Lord, to, to bring that into every person right now, that place where you encourage them to take that step. And you can just say, Jesus, here I am. I give you my life. I commit myself to you. I believe that you died on the cross and rose from the dead. Be my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that prayer, I'm going to ask you to let us know so that we can help you start taking the steps that you need to take to learn what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. You can come forward at the end of this service. You can come to 101. I encourage you to tell someone like now because by telling someone, then that helps you start the journey. Second of all, I pray, Lord, for those of you who say, I know Jesus, but I'm at one of these big significant moments. And Lord, I pray right now for every person listening to me who's sitting in that place where there's water ahead and mountains around and the Egyptian army behind. Lord, I thank you that you go before us, you go behind us. And Lord, I pray, Lord, for strength, for encouragement. And Lord, I pray we wouldn't get so distracted, but just do that simple thing that you've called us to do, that next step, to stand and to move forward. In Jesus' name.